Hello. Well, hey, good morning, uh, church man. What a morning. Uh, I got up uh, this morning around 6 a.m., looked outside the window, saw that there was a ton of snow. Uh, in fact, uh, today, Pastor Kenny was actually supposed to preach today's message. He was all ready to go, but uh, we did not want to ask our worship team to drive all the way over the church uh, in this crazy snow. Uh, and so we decided that Pastor Kenny would lead worship today uh, and that I would uh, do my best to prepare a message starting this morning uh, to really give to you all. Uh, so if today's sermon's a little jumbled, I apologize, but it is because it is truly the work of the Holy Spirit just uh, allowing me to really preach to you uh, this morning. Um, but uh, I'm really glad that I get to preach because there were actually a few things that I did want to say to you, church. Um, but before we dive into our sermon today, just a few announcements. One is our min- women's ministry is going to be picking up uh, once again. Uh, and so do go ahead and check uh, our website under events. Uh, to see uh, what those ministry events will be. But if you are a female, you're a woman, and you're looking to connect uh, uh, in a Christ-centered way with other women, uh, we have some phenomenal women's ministry leaders who would love, love, love to have you come out to some of their events. So please do check under our events tab of our website to look for those women ministry events. Also, um, our New Year's Eve service will be happening on January 31st, of course. That is a a Friday. Uh, Please do come out for that. It's one service at 6 p.m. Afterwards, we're going to have ramen. We're going to have food. We're going to have a bunch of fellowship. So please come out, worship uh, as we ring in the new year uh, with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then finally, uh, if you are a parent of a youth student, please make sure to sign up for that parent or orientation on January 5th. That's a Wednesday. Uh, And so please sign up for that. It's at 7.15 p.m. uh, And it'll be over Zoom. Uh, And that time is just a time for us as a leadership to explain to you uh, what this youth ministry will look like uh, and what it will require of your student as well as you as a parent. And so if you come out to this meeting, it doesn't mean that you have to join the youth ministry, but uh, it's just a way for us to educate you and orient you around what that ministry will look like. So please do join us uh, for that. Well, let's just take some time right now to kind of reminisce about the past year. Uh, We just wanted to take a moment, and we'll do this again at our New Year's Eve service, uh, but I wanted to take a moment just to kind of reminisce about this past year. At the beginning of this year, we started out online just as we are now. Uh, and it's sort of poetic that God would bring us full circle. And by the way, if you are not here in Washington State and you're worshiping with us from somewhere else this morning, uh, we just had a huge dump of snow outside. Uh, and so this is why we're doing everything purely online. But we were uh, in a sermon series at the beginning of this year called The Wonder of the Wilderness, and we journeyed through the book of Numbers. And at the beginning of 2021, we were still deep into the pandemic. At the beginning of 2021, we were just seeing the rollout of the vaccines, although they weren't widely available at that time. And at the beginning of 2021, if you're like me, you're praying for a better year. Because 2020, if you remember, was one of the worst years ever, uh, where there was just so much that happened that year. And so we're praying that 2021 would be different. And in some sense, 2021 was a little different than 2020. But on the other hand, it was still an incredibly difficult year. And although it was a difficult year, I would say that God has been incredibly faithful And that's what I wanted to do this morning was to just really take time to thank God for all the blessings because God was truly working in 2021, although, again, it was a difficult year and many of you saw difficulties this year. 
Uh, I just wanted to take some time to praise God for all the things that He's done for New Life Fellowship in the year 2021. And so at the beginning of 2021, if you remember, New Life Fellowship, our church, did not have a lead pastor. Uh, and yet, uh, uh, by April, you, the church, elected me to be the lead pastor. And I'm so grateful that God has brought us together and that this relationship has been blossoming and growing and that we've been able to expand God's kingdom through this cooperation. At the beginning of 2021, we had no membership at New Life Fellowship, and yet today we've taught six membership classes. We have around 150 people waiting to be enrolled as members as we speak. And during 2021, we announced that we'd be chartering uh, uh, starting in 2022, uh, as well as beginning a youth ministry, and God is still working in that, and we will bring, and God will bring those visions to fruition beginning in 2022. During 2021, God reopened the doors to our church on our first Sunday back, if you remember, was May 2nd, 2021. And we had one worship service at that time, and we had a grand total of 75 adults in attendance. But by mid-October, uh, we had about three, we had three services, and we had about 320 people, uh, adults in attendance. And although our nation was hit hard economically, our church in 2021 saw the greatest generosity, and I can say this, since its existence. Uh, we have seen more generosity in our church since its existence. Our yearly budget, uh, just to be transparent and open with you, and you can find this information on our, we, we update it every week, and so this is not, we're not hiding anything here, but was, our budget was roughly around $990,000. Uh, that's really just shy, 10,000 shy of a million. Uh, meaning this is how much we generally expect in tithes and offerings uh, in a given year. And yet, uh, 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 today, we, we, have we have about a Sunday left here. Uh, we, this is our last Sunday here. Uh, but we, we have surpassed $1.1 million in giving in a year that's, that's seen economic downturns. And it's all thanks to God's spirit really flowing through you and allowing you, church, to be generous. And so we want to thank you uh, for those of you who have been supporting this ministry, who have been really faithful in giving. We thank you, thank you, thank you. God's kingdom expansion work could not be done without a very basic thing, which is th these resources, this money that you provide generously to us. Uh, and so... Uh, uh, in addition, we saw uh, during Easter, we did our Easter walkthrough, um, and, and all, all the while we had new staff members transition in in 2021, and so God has just been faithful and so good to our church, and I just want to give him thanks and praise. And, and I know some of you might be thinking, oh, Eric, are you bragging about the church? And I'm not, I'm not. I, I'm really, I really want to model for you this, this morning how it is to be thankful to God, even in the midst of a season where, where maybe there aren't a lot of things to be thankful for. That even in the crevices, even in the cracks of this year, we can still see God's hand moving mightily and powerfully, and we can see his fingerprints everywhere. And so that's what I want to model for you this morning, is that there's still so much to be thankful for in 2021, even though it was a difficult, difficult year for us. Um, and, and, you know, today, honestly, you know, the snow is here. Uh, you guys are huddled up maybe as a family or maybe you're, um, you know, you're, you're there with a roommate or, or whatnot. But I, I would encourage each and every single one of you. And this is something that I'm going to be doing today. So, wife, if you're at home watching, uh, hopefully you're watching. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, we, we want to encourage you guys to really huddle up as a family, huddle up with a community, and really go through the things that you find to be blessings uh, in your life. And this is something that I encourage uh, to each and every single one of you today to really find the blessings and to be thankful to God uh, this morning. 
Well, with that said, that long, long introduction, let's dive into our passage for today. We're going to be studying Mark chapter 11. So we were going to study uh, Matthew chapter 2 uh, 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 today, but we're, we'll study Mark chapter 11, a very famous story of Jesus coming into Jerusalem uh, and him being praised and worshipped uh, for being the king of, of all the Jews. And so if at this time, if you're able, would you rise? We're going to be reading Mark 11, 1 to 11. Uh, it'll be up here on the screen for you, uh, but also if you want to open up your Bible to underline, to take notes, uh, very, very much welcomed as well. Uh, but at this time, even if you're at home, uh, making breakfast, drinking hot cocoa, hot coffee, uh, looking outside, please rise as we read God's Word uh, together. This is the reading of God's Word. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, it will, you will find a colt tied, and on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found the colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to him, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them that Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is the word of the Lord. And we all say thanks be to God. Let me go ahead and pray for us, and then I'll seat you. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you, thank you. We praise your name this morning, God. Even in the midst of a snowstorm, we praise you. God, may you be lifted on high this morning. May you be enthroned, God, as we exit 2021 and enter 2022, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, you can go ahead and be seated right there at home. Well, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this movie before, but there is a, I believe it's a Christmas movie, actually. It's called Brewster's Million, and I may have brought it up in a sermon prior. I, I can't remember quite clearly, but uh, it stars a, a fellow by the name of Richard Pryor, and uh, he's a famous black comedian from the 70s and 80s. But in this movie, he plays this Joe Schmo, this average sort of dude, who ends up finding out that he has this long-lost uncle who recently passed away and had no uh, remaining uh, family members to pass on his inheritance to. And so he finds out that he's going to inherit basically $300 million of his rich uh, uncle's inheritance, uh, but there's a catch. His uncle basically tells him this long story about how his father had caught him smoking cigarettes one day, and he basically said his father, as a punishment, made him smoke all the cigarettes in the world as possible. And so he basically, his father made him get sick of smoking cigarettes so that he would no longer smoke them any longer. Well, in the same fashion, he tells Brewster, hey, look, I'm going to give you my fortune, but at the end of this time, I want you to be so sick of money that you will manage this money well. 
And so what he does is he says, Brewster, I'm going to give you $30 million to spend in 30 days. And he gives them all of these rules to, to live by. He basically says you can't give away the money. Uh, you can't, like, buy things. Uh, like, for example, you can't buy $30 shoes for $30 million. You have to buy them within reason. At the end of the 30 days, you can't own anything. Um, and so there were all these caveats and rules that were involved. But he says you have to spend the $30 million by 30 days, and you should have nothing left at the end of that time. And so throughout this movie, what you see is Brewster just going crazy. He's trying to spend money. He's hiring people. There are all these people that become his friends, and there's all this ruckus going around, and, 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 just, and it's just going crazy throughout the whole movie. And then he finally, by the way, I'm going to spoil the ending, but you know, you had 30 years to watch this film, but you can go ahead and watch it. By the end of the movie, he accomplishes his goal. He spends all $30 million, and then there's a scene where there's just crickets chirping. No one's around him. He's deserted. And in fact, throughout the movie, what you see are people becoming his friends, you know, sucking up to him, uh, you know, really patting him on the back. And, but really, in all honesty, they were just using him for his money. And at the end, when he runs out of this $30 million, you find that no one is left. No one really cared about him. They just wanted his money. And I'm telling you about this, uh, this story or this movie because it's very similar to our passage today. And by the way, if you're taking notes here, you can write these three points down uh, that, we, that we're going to go through. The first one is a picture of false praise. Uh, our second point is going to be a challenge and encouragement to praise. And then our third and final point will be a lifetime of praise. But in the Gospel of Mark here, if you look, right, Jesus Christ at this point in his ministry has become an absolute rock star. I mean, people are flocking. If he had a YouTube account, he would have a million subscribers. If he had a TikTok, he would be gaining traction every single day. If he had a Facebook, it'd be blowing up. If he had a Twitter account, it'd be on fire right now. I mean, Jesus was becoming a celebrity. Crowds were flocking around him. People were coming to see him preach. I mean, his church had grown massively over his short period of three years doing ministry. And it's because, right, Jesus not only is a rock star preacher, I mean, Jesus preached the best sermons ever to have graced this planet Earth. In addition, he heals the lame, he casts out demons, he feeds the hungry, he multiplies bread, he calms the storm, he walks on water, he opens the eyes of the blind, he opens the ears of the deaf, and he has been just rebuking and outwitting all of the Pharisees, all of the leaders, the religious leaders of his day, and this has caused quite a ruckus of his day. And people are coming to Jesus, they've turned his attention to him, and they want more and more and more of Jesus. And if you look here, right, at the first six verses of this story, they're really devoted to the preparation of Jesus entering into Jerusalem. And here, in the first six verses, what you see is really Jesus fulfilling prophecy. Because in Zechariah chapter 9, it tells us that the Messiah will come in on a donkey, uh, moreover, commandeering the beast of burden was a prerogative of king in ancient times. And so what Mark is going out of his way to do in these first six verses is to really show that Jesus is king, that he deserves to be worshipped, that he deserves our praise. And when he's riding into Jerusalem, people are doing as such. They're proclaiming him king. They're laying down these branches and they're sh shouting, Hosanna in the highest. Uh, uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. 
And the text here supposes a lot of emotion and raucous. People are cheering and screaming. There's noise. And then look there at verse 11, right? And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked at everything, around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. Do you see what's happening here? There's all this noise. Praise, praise, praise. Hosanna in the highest. Yeah, Jesus. And then verse 11, it's quiet. He goes into this temple. He looks around. It was already late and it's quiet. There's no one there. Just the 12. Mark's account is really interesting. It's really, really interesting because if you read all the other accounts, this is one of the few accounts where it's in the uh, Gospel of Matthew, it's in the Gospel of Mark, Luke, and John. But here in the Gospel of Mark, Mark wants to highlight this aspect. And here what he's highlighting is that Mark's account is noteworthy because of what does not happen. The whole scene comes to nothing. The crown disappears as mysteriously as it is assembled. And so what is Mark trying to tell us here? And this is, if you haven't been paying attention, lean in here, because I think this is the crux of the matter. This is really what I think Mark is trying to communicate to us today. And this is what James Edward, he's a New Testament scholar, says, and I think this is the whole point of the passage. Mark is warning against mistaking enthusiasm for faith and popularity for discipleship. Let me say that again. Mark is warning against mistaking enthusiasm for faith and popularity for discipleship. Um, you know, I'm not a huge basketball fan, and in fact, I don't really follow the NBA at all, but I remember this very vividly, okay? When I moved to L.A. in 2010, 2011-ish, I remember the L.A. Clippers began doing well. This is when I think they picked up hotshot players like Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, and all of a sudden, the Clippers started doing really well. But if you know anything about the NBA, no one gave the rip about the Clippers. Like, they were not a fan favorite. Everyone was a Lakers fan in L.A., and yet all of a sudden, they start doing well, and then all of a sudden, this wave of people who start, started becoming Clippers fans. And all of a sudden, I remember hearing this conversation over and over again while living in L.A. You had all these diehard Clipper fans, uh, the ones who went through all those years of losing, and were like, hey, where were you when we were losing all these games? And I imagine, um, and, and imagine, you know, that some of these conversations maybe even got heated because they were like, where were you? Like, all of a sudden, now that the Clippers are winning, all of a sudden, you're a fan? And right, we all know this, right? We call them bandwagoners or bandwagoning. It's when a team starts to do well, and all of a sudden, when the team is doing well, there's all this hype around them. And because there's all this hype around them, all these people start flocking in. They become fans. But then as soon as the team starts doing bad again, there go the fans. There goes all of them. And here's my point. It's so easy to make, mistake enthusiasm, hype with real devotion, faith, and loyalty. And yet, do you know how we can tell the difference between a true fan and a false fan? Do you know how we can tell the difference between a true fan of Jesus Christ and a false fan of Jesus Christ? And, and let me put it here for our context here. Do you know how you can tell the, 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 the difference between a true worshiper and a false worshiper? And this is what James Edward is getting at. After the hype fades... After the winning stops, when things get tough, are you still a fan of Jesus Christ? Are you still worshiping Jesus Christ, even when it's difficult, even when it's hard, even when there is a storm? 
And so that leads us to our second point, a challenge and encouragement to praise. Let's take what we just talked about, and I want to challenge you, church, and then I want to encourage you. I'm going to give you one challenge and then one encouragement. And here's the first challenge. Will you continue to worship Jesus even when he's not popular? Will you continue to worship Jesus even when he's not answering your prayers like you'd want him to? Will you continue to worship Jesus even though your life doesn't seem victorious at all? When Jesus isn't healing you the way you want him to. When Jesus isn't giving you the promotion or the job that you want. When Jesus isn't blessing you the way you want. Or maybe there I say, Jesus is even taking things away from you. Maybe there are some of you here today where you're struggling because Jesus took away your job. Jesus took away your promotion. Jesus took away your dream job. Maybe Jesus took away some friendships. Maybe Jesus took away a relationship. Maybe Jesus took away a loved one from you because they passed on. Or maybe some of you, maybe Jesus is even taking your life now. Maybe you've experienced cancer or some just, just heart-wrenching diagnosis. Will you be able to praise Jesus even when it's difficult? Even when you're not winning in life? And this is how we know we are a true fan of Jesus or whether we are not a true fan of Jesus, whether we're just bandwagoners. You know, I, I know that a lot, a lot of times for us we think, oh, you know what, like I, I'm growing in Jesus when life is good, when I feel like I'm on the mountaintops with Jesus. But in my opinion, I think we grow the most when we suffer when we suffer tremendously and yet we still are able to say, I still believe, I still worship you, I still love you, Jesus, with all of my heart, mind, and soul. Because at that point, friends, you know that you love Jesus, not because he offers you anything, but because purely you recognize that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he deserves our praise and our worship, friends. I think that's when we grow the more, most, is when we're suffering, when our lives aren't going the way we want them to, and yet we're still able to lift our hands in praise and say, I still believe, I still love you, Jesus, I still worship you. And some of you here need to hear that this morning, that you're struggling, and yet you're still lifting your hands in worship and saying, I still believe. Let's talk about this concept in terms of community and in New Life Fellowship. You know, I said this in one of my sermons uh, at the beginning of a new year, at the ending and at the beginning of a new year. This was during our Philippian sermon series. And I'll say it again, but as we exit 2021 and head into 2022, I can guarantee you, and it's not because I have some prophetic gift, but it's because what wisdom tells us, it's just what life experience has taught me in my short time of living, is that there is certainty right now that we as New Life Fellowship will experience difficulty in 2022. It's, it's a certainty. Uh, I, I'm, like, we're doing well right now, by the way. Like, there's nothing wrong right now. There's, it's great. I just mentioned to you all the ways God is blessing us. We have more people than ever connecting to our church, tuning in online. We have more people than ever joining our community groups. We're, like, right now, we're trying to multiply community groups because we're trying to just handle the intake right now because there's so many people wanting to join this community. There's so much good news about this community. Every time I meet a newcomer, I'm so encouraged because they see God's work in our community. And yet, I, I guarantee you that in 2022, I will most likely say something that will offend you. I can guarantee you that you might get hurt and slighted by another community group member, maybe because you guys start talking about politics. You might even be offended by your community group leader. You might even be offended by another pastor here. There might be something that goes wrong, and my question for you is, will your love for this community and this body of believers only last as long as things are good? Or will it stay the course through thick 
and through sin. Now, here's my encouragement. That was the challenge, and here's the encouragement now. 2020 and 2021 were crazy, crazy years, friends. And I don't think I have to go through uh, how it was just insane years. And in fact, uh, I, I mentioned this statistic before, but 30% of regular attending Christians dropped out of church over the course of this pandemic. 30%, this is church-wide, this is nationwide, right? 30% of Christians dropped out of attending church on a regular basis. Uh, and, and if you've weathered the storm of 2020 and 2021, my goodness, here's my encouragement to you. You are a real fan of Jesus Christ. You're a real fan Man, 2020, 2021 were hard times to be believers. It was a hard time for us as believers. I mean, there was so much that rocked our nation. There was so much that rocked our individual lives. And yet, if you're still here and you're still saying, I still believe in Jesus. I still worship Jesus. My God, I'm encouraged and you should be encouraged as well because that. Because of that, you can say with certain, with absolute assurance of salvation and say with complete, utter uh, assurance that on the day of judgment, Jesus will say to you, come and join me, my faithful servant. I know you because you acknowledged me before men, even when it was hard. You acknowledged me before people, even when it was hard. Even when your life wasn't what you wanted it to be, come and join me and eat at my feast. And friends, this is how you know you're a legit follower of Jesus. If you weathered the storm of 2020 and 2021, you are a legit fan of Jesus Christ, friends. And that's my encouragement to you. Now, for a community encouragement, here's my encouragement. Let's just be real here for a second, right? When I first came to the church in March of 2019, uh, we had just gone, gone through a terrible season as a church. Um, and I don't think I have to recount for all of you members who were there during that time. Uh, we had lost a significant amount of people, and the church was uh, unstable at that time. And yet there are many of you who are still here today, who are still a part of this community, and you weathered the storms of this community. You were there, in other words, through thick and through thin. You were there during the hardships and during the good times. And friends, I'm telling you, I, no one should ever question your love for this community. Because if you were able to weather that storm, friends, I can say with pretty good assurance in my heart that you love this community. You love the people of this church. And, and friends, I, I'm, I'm so grateful to have you a part of this church. I'm so encouraged that you would stick around even during the tough times uh, of our church's season and even throughout COVID and, and all this stuff. I'm so encouraged that you would stick around and love the people of this community to stick near to them even though it was a difficult time. And so I just want to encourage you and thank you for your servant heart during that season well let's move on to our third and final point a lifetime of praise now let's talk about what goes wrong in the story why are there no worshipers once jesus gets to the temple and in our context how do we maintain a lifetime of praise versus just a day of praise how do we maintain a lifetime of praise versus abandoning jesus at the first sign of of of, of struggle or suffering and here are two mistakes that the crowd makes, right? At first glance, it does seem like the crowds are praising Jesus as king. They throw their cloaks on the floor, uh, just as the Israelites did for King Jehu in 2 Kings uh, chapter 9. Uh, and the fact that they're chanting Hosanna in the highest, which basically means save, I pray in Hebrew, makes it seem like they're calling Jesus the Messiah and king. But if you look a little bit more deeply at this passage... Uh, in verse 9, look, look at what it says. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
And the crowds are actually quoting Psalm 118. And what's interesting about Psalm 118 is this. If you look at the context of Psalm 118, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's not talking about Jesus. It's not talking about God. In Psalm 118, if you read the context there, what they're saying is blessed is he, meaning myself, who, who, who comes in the name of the Lord. You see that the he in that passage is actually the singer of the song. He's saying, look, I come in the name of the Lord, so blessed is myself. Blessed is me who comes in the name of the Lord. And so these people are not actually exalting Jesus. They're actually doing a very self-centered kind of worship. They're saying, look, look, praise me. Praise me who comes in the name of the Lord. And friends, when you make praise all about yourself, when you forget about Jesus and you make praise and worship, when you make your life all about yourself, friends, you will forget all about who Jesus is and what Jesus has come to do for you. Here's the amazing thing about praise. We were designed to praise. And when we truly worship and praise Jesus, it fills up our hearts so much so, it fills us up with so much joy because as John Piper says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. In other words, we were designed for praise. We were designed to worship Christ. And so when we make it all about Christ and we exalt Christ for who He is and not make the worship self-centered upon ourselves and what Jesus is doing for us, friends, and when we actually worship Him for being King, this is when our hearts are truly moved to a lifetime of praise. When we actually worship Jesus, not because of what He's done for us, but because of simply who He is. You know, I've, I've brought this illustration up a number of times, and I'll bring it up again. Um, but, and he's actually spoken here, but uh, Pastor Derek Wang, uh, I, I sat through a number of his sermons when I was a freshman in college, and I still remember one of the illustrations he gave. And he simply said this, look, like, you know, what if God took away your car? What would you praise him for? What if he took away your home? What would you praise him for? What if God took away your children? What would you praise him for? What if he took away the clothes on your back? What would you praise him for? And then he finally ended the time of saying, what would you praise God for if he took away your salvation? Which, by the way, he would never do, but what if he did? Would you still be able to praise God? And Pastor Derek's point was this, is yes, you can. Because we don't worship God simply because of what he's done for me, for us. We worship God because of who he is. You know, even as I was driving through the snow uh, this morning, making my way, it took me, I only live like five minutes away from church, but it, it took me like probably like 15 minutes because I was driving so incredibly slow. Um, but even I was sitting in the snow, I was, just, I was just so impressed by the awe and majesty of our Lord that my goodness, like just the day before, it was just, it was barren, it was dry. There was, and then all of a sudden, this white snow, this thick of it, and as I was driving, I was filled with just awe and wonder of who our God is and this is friends the kind of praise that we need to give to god the second thing here that they get wrong is that the israelites or the people praising him in this passage get wrong the fact of jesus mission see for many of them they thought that his kingdom that was going to be coming was actually that he was going to come to overthrow the romans because you see the jewish people had been living under roman occupation for all this time and they thought jesus was going to come back to actually overthrow the romans to take the throne and to establish just as king david did his throne here on earth at that time and yet they were mistaken about his mission they didn't realize that he was going to come to die on a cross for them 
to die on a tree for them, not to give them all the earthly pleasures, but to give them spiritual blessings, to give them spiritual salvation. And friends, in the same sense, we have to recognize this, that Jesus hasn't come to make our physical lives perfect. He hasn't come to give us all the money and riches and power and to make our lives comfortable and ease, but rather what Jesus has come to do is to actually bless us spiritually, to give us salvation, to reconnect us to the Father. And friends, if you're struggling in this season, you have to remember that Jesus' mission in life is to connect you once again to the Father. His mission in life is to get you to see how glorious and big and amazing the Father is, that He is indeed King above all kings. And friend, this is Jesus' mission. His mission is not to give you everything you want in this life, but His mission in life is to actually connect you back to the Father. This is why Jesus had to die on a cross. This is why Jesus had to give up His life was so that He could cleanse us of our sins, so that He could give us His righteousness, so that He could make us children of God once again, so that we could have a heavenly Father that we could worship and praise and give honor and glory to, friends. And as we ring out this old year and ring in the new year, friends, I encourage you to remember that even if you're struggling, even, if, even in the midst of a storm, friends, that Jesus Christ's mission is to connect you to the Father, that the year 2022, my prayer is that you wouldn't become richer, <laughs> that you wouldn't get more power or glory, but rather, friends, that you would become closer to our Father who is in heaven. And friends, that's my prayer for you, and I hope that's your prayer for yourselves. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Oh Lord, we know, Lord, that there are so many in our church, God, who didn't, who, 2021 was not their year again. Lord, two years back to back, it was just one year after another, and it wasn't what they wanted it to be, Lord. But Lord, we pray that you would give them a song to sing. Uh, as in Romans 8, Lord, you say that the Holy Spirit would help them, Lord, to just have grumblings in their hearts. But Lord, to sing it out to you, to still believe, to still hang on, and Lord, if there are people in the midst of us, even here now, who are doubting, Lord, would you give them faith once again to believe in you, faith once again to trust in you, faith once again to hold on to you and to worship and praise your name all the more. Lord, as we end the final service in this year, Lord, may we sing out to you, our Heavenly Father, our King, our Lord, and our Savior. Would you give us the strength and the faith to be real fans of Jesus Christ? We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.